What's up, y'all? Kofi Kingston here, and I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks, depending on what that drink is, preferably non-alcoholic, you know? How's it going? Kofi, how are you, James? Soda. I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks. Maple syrup. I will never have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks. Welcome to the Dive Bar of the IWC. Welcome to Wrestling on the Rocks, episode one. Again, I'm at Ref Marsh, Red WHR, the show. We do not have Kevlar on the Rocks with an X today. He's out uh, hunting, I think. I don't know. He comes back with doves, wraps it in bacon like a big old jalapeno popper. It's pretty good. So we'll see how that goes. With me instead... Rising up from the ashes, we got Bishop. What's up, Bishop? Up, dude. Thanks for having me on at CW Takes Podcast. It'll release when it releases. Other than that, you guys know who I am. I've been here enough. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you've been on since episode one. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I believe if you go back far enough. Go back far enough. There's an episode one. There might be another episode one where I was there too. That's a good point. You debut on episode one a lot. It's it's habit forming, yeah. Yeah, dude, how you been? How you been? Holding up, man. Holding up. You know, life is life. You do the thing, you get the thing done, and then all of a sudden it's over, and you got to do something else. So here I am doing this thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's always good to go back and revisit old friends. Look, at the end of the day, uh, everybody could use an old turn at the dive bar sometimes in the afternoon. You know what I mean? That's a good point. It is happy hour over here right now. I've got. What, we'll do a little what's in your glass. I'm having right now Terramana Reposado in my morning coffee. Well, it's very ironically unplanned. I'm having a little Terramana Reposado in my afternoon coffee. Oh, yeah. I have coffee a few times a day. Do you have uh, hot or cold coffee? Your hot coffee type? I'm a hot coffee at home, but if I go out, I'd rather have like a cold brew. Yeah, no, me too, me too. Oh, there is a couple of things. I was like, I feel like there was stuff I wanted to put over on the top. So let's <laughs> let's do some of that. I was gonna um, say, I'm not Amanda. I don't do birthdays, so I know you're not doing birthdays. It's Amanda's gig. Uh, well, we can say real quick. Uh, congratulations to Leash Fox. She got engaged. That's in the news. She seems very happy in the photos, which is good. You always want them to be happy about it. Uh, and she said three years sober. So congrats on congrats awesome. over there. That's fantastic for her. Yeah. And I'm glad I was one of her last drinking partners. Um, yeah. She, yeah. She did a live show against Natty and uh, and was at the TGI Fridays afterwards. And yeah, we had uh, we had a couple drinks. I said it may have been so when Paige was dating Alberto Del Rio. So whenever mm-hmm. that year was. Um, she wasn't a, she wasn't a fan of the situation. Turns out nobody was, but anyway, uh, cheers in, uh, cheers of water to the newly engaged. Yeah. I got to meet her during the Royal Rumble weekend. We were there. She was running around backstage and took some photos with us and she was like super nice, super nice. Yeah. Very welcoming. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say a couple things up top, uh, uh, pro wrestling spotlight with John Arezzi 
is becoming a video podcast starting this week. So Thursday, which will be tomorrow if you're in the chat live right now. Uh, otherwise, Thursday the 6th, it will be live noon Eastern time on the YouTube. So go to Pro Wrestling Spotlight on YouTube and subscribe to follow and watch. And uh, it's a, a project I've been able to become a part of once again. So definitely uh, pop over there. Likely to see a familiar face or two. And it's been really fun to, to be a part of that. So awesome. Congrats, bro. Yeah, it's been really cool. It, it's also why I was in um, at the Cauliflower Alley Club this past week. That's why we weren't doing a show. I was at Cauliflower Alley Club in Vegas. That had me driving up Sunday and driving back Thursday. It had me pretty busy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Did not a lot, a lot much time for me to stream or keep up at a reasonable time frame. So, yeah, I was out there and dude, I got to. Uh, turns out one of Amanda's friends from Thursdays is the guy who puts on the whole event. He's not me, Brian Blair. That's the guy who's the the president of of CAC, but this was like the promoter of the thing, more or less, where he like gets the venue and organizes the whole thing. His name is Roy Lucifer. He was a really cool dude. And I finally got to meet him the second day, and then right before the banquet at the end of the night, at the end of the Wednesday night, where they're going to honor Conan, he comes over to me, and he's all like, or I go over to him to get a picture real quick, and he goes, oh, I'm glad, I, I'm glad you bumped into me. I was thinking about asking you for a favor and i was like okay and he's all like i'm gonna need someone like conan's not here yet he's still flying in someone's gonna need to go down and get him and bring him here what like, <laughs> yeah i was like get get him from where but he was just being dropped off in front of the thing and he's like you're gonna need to get him over here and so i was like okay and so he called me at a certain point during the banquet and it was kind of go 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 and i get out there and it's conan and it's ray mysterio and it's conan's uh wife and mother-in-law and uh ray brought his wife and we're just scurrying them over to where they got to go and it was just really cool i was all like this is crazy <laughs> what is your <laughs> life man <laughs> yeah. yeah wow that's awesome nice. i got to meet billy silverman he was the referee during the finger poke of doom very notably mm. when you want to talk about all-time famous matches it's there i also believe uh, Halloween Havoc, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. That was oh, wow. a Billy Silverman match as well. Um, let me look up the Halloween Havoc match. Because I'm pretty positive that was him. Yep, there he is. Picture of him, yeah. So the Halloween Havoc match, Billy Silverman. Got him to sign my ref jersey that's signed by Charles Robinson and Tommy Young. So now I got Billy Silverman on there. I'm hoping that by the end of the month I'll get Earl Hebner on there. And I nice. did network with a few people who told me they believe wholeheartedly they can get me Kyoto and Brian Hepner on that jersey in short order as well. So I'm hoping to I'm hoping there's a lot of good news coming up as far as that goes as well, because those were people I was really hoping to network with and I did. Dude, awesome. it was a pretty cool time. It was a really cool time. And I no, would suggest awesome. anyone who has the opportunity, it's once a year in Vegas, you gotta be a member to go. Membership's like 25 bucks for the year, but then it's like 300 for lifetime. And it's worth it, dude. A lot of these guys, there's only a couple hundred people there, so a lot of guys are just hanging out. I walked over to Jimmy Hart at one point, and I was like, hey, when you were tag-teaming <laughs> with Andy Kaufman, how many matches had you even had before you were in the ring trying to help him figure out what he's doing? And he's all like, not a lot, but I'd had a few. And I was like, okay. 
So yeah. that's the thing too with with a lot of those ceremonies, like a, a Hall of Fame or whatever, and you see the guest list or the honorees, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, and no offense to Conan, I mean, you know, we grew up back then. Conan was was hot as ever, yeah. You know, but he's he's no rock, right? But to your point, if you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll go out to see Conan, and all of a sudden you're rubbing elbows with Rey Mysterio because the respect they have for the people going in plus the wrestlers respect themselves for the cauliflower alley club is um you know is worth it so yeah i would imagine that if i lived in the area it would be a frequent thing i mean yeah no oh, yeah. why not yeah it was cool and i mean That's in awesome. defense just to just i mean i don't know whoever listens to this or not but i mean you say conan's not the rock but in mexico he was hogan true sure. true true uh, yeah that's what yeah and he ushered in he, and like i mean we don't have ray mysterio without conan you know what right I mean? right conan no, got definitely. kevin sullivan to sign right. ray mysterio right. and that's why but so i'm not saying like i'm not trying to i'm not trying to no, say no, you're wrong. right at face value yeah. a lot of us during that time frame were just kind of like oh that's that's the guy from the wolf dad wolf pack you know right. like oh that's right that's k-dog you know but then you know when you kind of start digging in more and more you go oh shit how much of wrestling today do we have because of him? How much anchors yes. and hinges right on how big he became, where he became it, and who he knew? Like, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And that's no, stuff I, you learn I when you're there. Yeah, I definitely underestimated that because uh, you're right. As soon as you said that, I remember all the stories because I, I listened to him on a ton of podcasts, not his own, even before his own, when he went on, you know, like Stone Cold and stuff like that. He, uh, and then even. Um, the guy everyone listens to bruce pritchard on his bruce, show yeah he's talked about talking it. about how integral conan was to everything um because yeah. and a lot of those people and again i'm not no offense to him too um someone like him with his connections and ability to do that um I, this is the wrong turn of phrase but like the those who can't do teach when you have that many connections or the ability to touch that many people without necessarily being hogan here you know while being hogan in mexico um, yeah. i mean how many different guys in japan couldn't make a splash here but means so much to the business and getting yeah. j- japanese wrestlers and that style over to america as well so um i got you i got you yeah that's true and that's what i mean too is that some of this stuff was i mean i knew that he was the hogan of of uh mexico i didn't know that he literally went to kevin sullivan and said kevin you got to sign this guy ray mysterio i didn't mm-hmm. know ray mysterio started training with conan when he was like 13 years old yeah you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know some of that stuff until I'm sitting here in this room and hearing them talk about it and hearing them give the speeches and show video footage from back in the day. And you go, oh, wow, there's That's so much awesome. deeper stuff here than, than you realize. I mean, I was there and there was a guy, David Cantu. They called his name out and they said, we just want to like, we just want him to stand up. We want everyone to celebrate this man for a second. Like, he was a notable referee for quite some time, a wrestler before then. And I go, he's 92 years old, the oldest member of the CAC. And I was all like, oh, shit. And so I looked him up, and yeah, sure enough, he was, like, wrestling in the 40s and 50s, refereeing in, like, the 70s, had his own promotion in, like, the 80s. And so I went over and talked to him for a while, and he was just so giving with his story and, like, super friendly. And it was just he was just so happy to talk about it. And I was like, this is really cool. You never know when you're going to be in a room with these people. I got a picture with Jerry Jarrett. He doesn't even do conventions. (laughs) When's that going to happen again? You know what I mean? Right. Like, it was cool. It was really cool. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to say a little bit about that. I'll probably talk more about it tomorrow some uh, with Miss Amanda Jane because I'm sure she'll have all sorts of horrendous questions. But Speaking of, uh, we, we almost hit on it. Uh, a little cry in the coffee, little tears in the beers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Antonio Inoki. 
Yeah. Beers and our beers. He's one too. It was pretty interesting to hear um to hear Cornette talk about him because he talks about him as being one of the single most influential people in all of wrestling. It just he wasn't a face in America. But like you said, a lot of these guys had such massive impacts in their respective countries that it trickled over here in such a way that we never knew. Anoki's definitely one of those types. Like, just pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, and absolutely. Seeing a lot of the stuff, people talking about him. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. When he, when I got the message on my phone, I was like, oh, shit. Like, it's a no- name I've known for a long time. and Right, and, like, stuff. what's his best match, right? Yeah, right? Right. Like, what's his best? Yeah. No, he's synonymous with wrestling. That's so awesome. You know, mm-hmm. and if it if if he wasn't as big as he was, he would have never had that Ali match. Um, mm-hmm. If he was never as big as he was, does the Japanese wrestling scene exist the way it does today, where a company like AEW can exist off the back of the work that many wrestlers have performed in Japan? Mm-hmm. A guy like Anoki, a guy like Conan, is a reason why a AAA you know, talk about the forbidden doors. They don't exist without the tent poles in those prospective countries to make those uh, certain uh, promotions mean anything. And a guy like Conan and, uh, again, a rest in peace to Antonio Noki, uh, a guy like him in Japan doing the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, I agree. Um, yeah, I think that's... One other notable thing I might as well say up top, uh, I did get to meet Medusa at CAC and we talked a bunch and uh, that might be something we're keeping our eyes out as well turns out she has a twitch channel Medusa underscore rocks it's pretty cool worth checking with out with an X or no no, <laughs> no X and no ice but she's got a book coming out pretty soon and she's trying to ramp up a few things and um I might be able to have a little bit of a hand in some of that. So it'd be worth checking that stuff out too. So, uh, outside of that, do you want to talk about what's been going on the past couple weeks? Yeah, I'm here, man. You put out the bat signal. Um, yeah. So let's do it. What's this? Let me pull up stuff here. What's going on? What's this thing? I did not organize this well. How many weeks ago was this? Okay. Okay. I do want to ask you what you're thinking specifically of a couple storylines. Okay. One is a slam dunk. We'll start with a slam dunk. What do you think about what's going on? Everything with Solo, Sokoa, Sami Zayn, the bloodline, honorary Ooze t-shirt designed by yours truly, but they'll never tell yeah, you. Yeah. Ugh. They'll never so, say. Man. <laughs> yours is so much better. <laughs> yours is so much better. Oh, man. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And... Let, let's let's dial back the storyline for a second and just look at Solo Sokoa. When yep. we talk about everyone who's been in NXT and how they look there to where they would look on the main roster, and we all appreciated Solo's work in NXT, but he, to me, he never really quite fit. Something did look off, but what looked off is that he belonged on the main roster. Like he's yep. he fits in like a glove on the main roster. It's fucking incredible, and his. Um, he's not like over exaggerated in his character. He's not, um, you know, he doesn't accentuate mannerisms like a lot of people do. He just, he is solo. He doesn't get overly huffy puffy with the deep, you know, none of that shit. He just, 
he's he's fantastic he's fantastic and let's jump to something real quick that i know that you won't respect um the way dawkins sold that fucking samoan sidekick aka super kick on monday was fucking incredible it's probably the best thing he's ever done and if you haven't seen it go back and rewatch it dawkins sold as a super kick from solo this past week it was fucking amazing um but no it's it's awesome the storyline itself is great i love the fact that they're um they're basically leaving jay in charge of the bloodline um while roman's not around he's like he feels as the de facto leader like no you guys need to listen to me but he's not doing it in a way where he's panicking uh he just doesn't want the threads to fall apart it's it's really interesting it's really interesting hmm I don't know if I see it as him like just trying to keep it all together. I see it as him trying to assert something. You know what I mean? Like Roman didn't say, "Hey, you're in charge, keep this together." Roman's letting the bloodline be the bloodline. Uh, Jimmy and Sammy are having a good old time. Solo's just hanging out with his boy Sammy. I like that you can see Solo like sort of break, but not. He's doing a really good job of subtlety as far as like being just this big enforcer type. But Jay's trying to command a certain control that the others are willing to just give him because it's not worth the fight. And what does it matter? You know what I mean? Like he wants, like the, like if you ever worked in a restaurant where there's some dude who just suddenly wants to be shift manager for the day because the guy leaves right. for a second and everyone in the kitchen just goes, whatever, man, sure. We know what we're doing. As long as you don't inhibit us from actually doing what we should be doing, then we'll let you have your ego boost. It's fine. Right. But usually in that scenario, the boss will say, you guys all know your jobs, right? All right, make mm-hmm. sure you do that. In this yeah. case, it seem it does seem like that wasn't specifically said, and Jay is trying to make sure that they all do their jobs. And it's not it's not heavy though. It's not heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it maybe it's just Jay doing something because he's not wrestling. Like <laughs> I think so Jay, he, the character Jay, I think is feeling undermined, and I think he's trying to assert that he was the right hand man. It, there was right, a while he was where, the first one he was yeah. the first one to to not submit but acknowledge and that he's the right hand man yeah i could see that i could see yeah that. like hey you guys are all just thinking of us as a big group but you don't you forget i'm the right hand man it was it was roman his right hand man and then the bloodline like he's trying right. to t- remind them i'm the right hand man i take care of business for roman and you guys do our bidding you guys do what what me and roman need done and then when you see like Sammy go over Jay's head and talk to Roman and you see Roman bring in Sammy, Jay's feeling undermined. And so he's trying to assert himself in another way. Look, I can't kick you out. Roman wants you here, but you're going to have to listen to me because I'm the right hand man. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the last point I'll make on it is this Tapping out story. Already. This, no, 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 because because I'm because I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna agree, with you. but the reason why, like, well, plus we only have a little bit of time today, so yeah, we don't um, uh, the the fact that this story can exist without Roman on screen and it be this impactful is a testament to the strength of Roman's character still, yeah, but also the actual work that these guys are doing. And it's not it's not just Sammy. I know you guys are massive Sammy fans on that side. And I I am too, just not to that level. The work that they're doing is awesome. It, it's it's great. And I honestly <laughs> nice. 
Nice. Yeah, Jay, I think I like Jay wrestling. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. It's the best. It's, it's literally the best thing going on TV. Um, and the fact that it can exist, without, can exist without Roman is a major testament to me being a Roman supporter for the last eight years and everyone else being wrong. So Yeah. What I love about what's, what Solo's doing, too, is because we were talking about it from his whole run as soon as he got to NXT. We're like, oh, why is he here? Like, he doesn't fit because he doesn't need this. And so it was really interesting to to see what we saw. And then I was even saying at a certain point, like, he's got this character that's got a lot to him, but he keeps losing. And I was like, I just don't know why his character would lose so much if he's the street champion and he's losing to, like, a lot of people. He was getting a lot of, a lot of chances at chances and not even getting the big the big matches and still losing right. those too. Like he was he was set up like a like a wall to get past to get to the champion without any connection between why he would be that. You know what I mean? And I think part of it was just that I don't know I mean, I think we talked about it then. I don't know if they just plan on him not being there long enough for it to really matter long term. And I think ultimately that's what it was, was that they were trying to have him carve out the independent part of him. When he was on the indies, he had long hair. It was dark. He wore um, he wore sneakers and pants. He looked like an Uso. This was a way for him to flesh out who he's going to be without being a third Uso. How is he going to stand on his own? How is he going to be solo? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and that's, that's something I've heard you guys talk about for the last couple of weeks is the solo part of his name and the fact that he was raised differently than his brothers and... And that part of the story that they don't tell you too that's still an inference like they mm -hmm. said something of it in nxt when they were bringing up his his packages and occasionally they mentioned on commentary but it's still like a major inference when it's part of the bloodline because they're there because they are blood and they know that that's their younger brother but he's not treated that way he also doesn't treat them that way he doesn't he doesn't succumb to their elderness in this right. line they he's like no we're all the same generation i got sammy he's coming with me you guys are the usos you're gonna do you and that's that's part of the solo that he's hanging on to as well like i got this shit on my own i will make these own decisions within our generation of things like that's that's major character work uh and he's of course phenomenal in the ring but yeah to your point in nxt that's why i said it never looked like he fit mm -hmm. um but that's maybe something else us as fans can take that like not everything on NXT sets in stone what it looks like going forward. Yeah. It's it's a proving ground of sorts but also we we are still just fans. It's a TV show. They can write whatever they want to write on any given moment. If they want Solo to be the champion tomorrow, they'll fucking do it because they can and they'll tell us why when they feel like it. We don't have to make all these decisions for them. It's like I've always said about AEW, like you love Hangman because you love Hangman, not because AEW told you so, not yes. because the story told you so. You love him. I love him too. He's great. He's fucking awesome. I wish AEW would make me care, but they don't. And and that's to the point of Solo. We loved Solo. They gave us zero reason to love him. He fucking kept losing. Like you said, number one contender match. Nah, he fucking lose that too. Well, How many I think they gave us plenty of reason to love him. They didn't give us a ton of reason to believe in him. You know what I mean? Like, his story and his character was there. He just lost the big one, so it's kind of like, I don't know if rooting... Like, like if I'm betting on DraftKings, 
Right. I don't know if I'm betting on Solo. You know what I mean? I like the dude. Right, but... I care about the dude. I think he's got a good story. I like his presentation. I like how he gets into fights, but he doesn't get the job done. You know what I mean? Like, you just had a hard time right. believing in him as as an enforcer. And I love that they're taking the character there, putting him here and saying, okay, now we're going to write this. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they can. Because yeah. NXT doesn't he's looking have the good. He's looking, so he's good. looking good. Yeah. I'm a huge solo, Mark. And then, I mean, Solo and Sammy together. Are you fucking kidding me? That's how I know <laughs> Bruce watches our show. <laughs> he did that for me, specifically. Especially that moment where he goes, you already messed up tonight, Jay. Come on, Sammy, you coming? I was yeah. all like, ah! <laughs> yeah. So good, dude. And then the whole fucking honorary Ooze t-shirt thing. It's, it's disrespectful. On the highest levels. They could have picked different colors, too. I know it's the bloodline, but, like, they copy and pasted your your tweet and were like, you know what? How do we make this look worse so he can't take credit? Well, they just used the font that they used that I didn't have a hold of. And then they just faded out the bottom a little bit. Like, when oh, I made and this then... t-shirt, and you were like, that's NWO style, but, like, worse, right? I was like, yeah. yeah. But that's what they did with yours. It's like, this is Mars' style, but we're going to make it worse. I don't know. I thought they cleaned it up some. I did a pretty. I did. A, I. I felt like I gave a pretty rush job of a concept to get it out there so they could work on it, and I feel like they cleaned it up. Well, Although then, my Sami Zayn no logo, my S, Sorry. my SZ, was the original Sami Zayn logo from his Toxic Flag and all that shit, and they cleaned that right out. They took every bit of Sami out of it, and I was like, oh, that's my point. Yeah, but that whole segment was amazing because it was coming here's the funny bit we had already ordered the honorary ooze shirt it had been on their shop for about a week or two we had yeah. already ordered it we're watching the show and i was like what the fuck and producer was like, <laughs> what are you mad about and i was like he's coming out in a bloodline shirt again they're coming out with we the one shirts they're brand new we know there's an honorary ooze shirt out there why isn't he come like they made it for him it was like when they made the i'm the intercontinental champion shirt so like, why isn't he wearing it Right. Like, this makes no sense. And I was like, it makes no sense because most of the time, especially like, I was like, even the We The One shirts, they're on TV with it. That means it's on the shop now. They usually give them one now, and that's how they right. debut it. That's how you know to go to the shop to look for it. Like when Kevin Owens had the Panda shirt. He wore it out there. Ten minutes later, it was live. They give them one, and then it goes live. That's how it works. And I was like, so why the fuck was it live <laughs> before he wore it? You know, I was like, how is it that we ordered one and he's never even shown it or talked about it? So they're doing the whole segment and I was all like, do you think they're going to do a thing where they like give it to him where he gets to wear it like as a thing? And then the whole thing's going on. And then producer is all like, what if it's he's not wearing it because they're going to kick him out now? And I was like, no, you wouldn't do that. You know, but it seemed very possible the way they were playing it off. Like maybe they do just boot him and then that honorary U shirt is just a little blip in the system. Like there was a second I'm the Intercontinental Champion shirt that he never wore that was a part of that that came out, right? So sometimes they make stuff and they don't do much with it. Like the Boston Hug Connection side plates that we saw pictures of at one point. They never yeah. got to use them. You know what I mean? Sometimes right. things happen and they don't it doesn't come to fruition. It's just a little nugget for people who, who knew when they knew, right? And then they did the whole thing, and it was 15, 20 minutes long, and it was just so perfectly executed. Edge of your seat. Got worked. 
Yeah, oh yeah. I was on dude, I was sitting behind my computer like editing, kinda looking over, doing some stuff, you know? And as the whole thing's going, I'm just like <laughs> sitting up, standing over, it's like, what's it what? like Yeah. It was in, insanely good by all all players in there. I'm so excited for what Solo's doing. Sammy's absolutely incredible. I'm loving it. I'm loving all of it. I want to know what you think about Liv Morgan. I've seen a lot of people go flip-flop on her, right? I think I'm still behind her as a champion. I'm still behind her as an underdog champion. I still think that she has what it takes in the fan connection to be that that Daniel Bryan underdog that people keep rooting for. And even though Daniel Bryan's going up against Batista or Brock Lesnar, you still think he's got a shot because he's wily and he's good. She's not as technical, but she's wily. And I think that they're showing a little bit more of that. Her coming out with the bat, leaning into the Harley Quinn kind of concept that she was doing before. Plus, I feel like Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is completely based off Liv Morgan, if I'm being honest. (laughs) I don't feel like it's the other way around. When you watch like old Total Divas, with Liv, and they have to subtitle her. <laughs> <laughs> they legitimately subtitle her while she's in the airport talking to somebody. Oh, my God! She just talks with such a harsh... Is she from Jersey? Or Long Island? Jersey, yeah. Yeah, that harsh Jersey accent. Yeah. was so thick and gravelly that they're like, we have to subtitle this. No one's going to know what she's saying. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I have no problem with what they're doing with her. In general, I think some specifics could have been changed, like where she's watching a Ronda Rousey match from the fucking rafters like she's Sting. You know, I agreed with Kev a couple weeks back where he said she should have been on commentary saying, I want Ronda to win this because I want to prove to everyone that that was a fluke. You know, I think that part of it's overdone. I think them talking about what them talking about the history of what's happened between the two of them is overdone. They they got to where they got to, we'll just say a rushed manner because it was briefcase and then it was rematch or what have you. Um, yes. Whatever, right? Let's, we don't have to wipe it away, but that does exist. Stop fucking talking about it because it wasn't done well. Now you have the opportunity to do something well. And I'll tell you this, I, as you're talking, I'm, I'm like, you know what? The real fucking problem is, is we've been spoiled. Me and you, right? Probably 1A, 1B. We're both 1A. Doesn't matter. Becky fans, right? Nobody nobody champions Becky more than me and you. We're spoiled by the ability for the champion to tell stories by Becky. Liv can't. She hasn't yet. What they're doing and, and what I've felt is they've done the best job of toning it down and kind of just softening the story. Quick, quick in and outs. It's not a aggressive build anymore. When um, post SummerSlam, it felt like they were going, they were trying too hard to tell us this story. Yeah. Let's get to the point where we say extreme rules match and then just pepper in our story. We're not getting too much from Ronda. We're not getting too much from Liv. They have the, the story's actually turned around to be, decently executed on tv is it great no but neither one of these two have been accused of having a great time telling us a story they have to start from somewhere so the fact that they went from something that felt so disconnected 
from the SummerSlam situation to Monday afterwards to however it started to play out to where we are now, I think once Extreme Rules happens, no matter what happens, the two of them are better off for it. If they both continue to tell stories this way, grabbing onto Liv as she's rising is the easy thing to do. She's very good at that. She's incredible at that. And I think a lot of people are seeing the exhausted exhaustiveness in Bianca. Bianca's great at that, at grabbing Bianca, getting to the top. Once she gets to the top, it, it kind of stays the same for a while. It feels like now what? Yeah, exactly. So that's what we're doing with Liv too, though, is what is Liv doing to her opponent to make us feel like Liv is that champion? Well, she's going to have to pull out all the stops and we're going to have to count on Ronda to sell them. Will that happen? I hope so. Do I think Liv has it in her? Absolutely do. Absolutely do. She gets better and better all the time. The yeah. problem is we're spoiled. We're used to. I mean, we got someone like Bailey who on the fly will mess up, recalculate, get you to cheer and boo in one promo. Yeah. That's not Liv. That's not Liv. You know, yeah. so. Liv gets but, flustered. Right. Right. So yeah. where, what do you, what do you want? Do you just want? Becky's and Bailey's to be champion and no one else gets to gets to try. Well, we're trying with Liv. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I think she can get there. Yes. The problem is a lot of people have been saying over Rhonda though, like Rhonda's the one that you're doing this with. That's the tough one, because the reality of it. Well, I think to me the big issue with Rhonda being the one is I think that it's it will be awesome for I think a, an underdog like Liv needs a legitimacy as big as a Ronda to be able to catapult from. But I also think that Ronda Ronda was carried by Becky to the main event. Sure, 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 like, sure, sure. Ronda like Becky went to the main event, brought Ronda with her while Charlotte was holding onto their heels. You know what I mean? Like that's 100%. how that happened. Uh Ronda can't take someone else to the main event. She can't elevate that same way by story or by talking. She takes them there by um, by the match. Like, Ronda can execute in the match because she has the legitimacy that we know that she has. The problem is, is you have to protect the Ronda as well, so if she's going to lose, it's got to be in a clever or weird way because... It's going to be really hard for us to buy that anyone who's trained as a professional wrestler is going to beat someone trained to be a judo bronze medalist right. in the Olympics. Right. You know what I mean? Which again, that's that's a re that's number one reason to put Ken Shamrock in the Hall of Fame. One of the best mixed martial artists of all time, an innovator of it. And every time he lost in wrestling, it was a believable loss in wrestling. Yeah. If Ronda can't execute a believable loss in wrestling because it's different rules it's different reality there's different yes. athletes there's different ways that's a ronda problem and i'm a ronda supporter i think she i honestly i think she's athlete enough to do that yeah this could be a storytelling portion that doesn't get us there um yeah. and i always like those stories I, I think, too where it's all like hey look got it this is an amateur wrestling you can't win the same way you know what i mean like right. you're in over well, i used to say that all the time different. you can in ufc you can put someone in an arm bar, and if they don't want to tap, you can break it. In wrestling, you can put someone in an arm bar. If they don't want to tap, you can't break their arm. Yeah. You cannot win by breaking someone's arm. You will be disqualified. 
So you yeah. have to get them to the point of wanting to submit without doing permanent damage. There, yeah. there are different rules to this. That's why I thought, honestly, I really like the um, the live um, uh, Shayna match from Clash of the Castle. I thought it was executed well. Oh, I thought yeah. they got to the finish well. Yeah, that's a way you could you could do the same thing with Ronda. But is Ronda that athlete? And again, I'm a Ronda supporter here. Is Ronda that athlete that can do that? Can she mentally do it? Submit to live that way, where in the flow of the match she actually gets caught and loses for a legit three count? I don't know. I don't know because Liv can carry her end of that. Yes. Yeah, I love Ronda Rousey. I think she's great. I do think that I think it's a lot less believable that Ronda would tap than be knocked out. And I think the Extreme Rules match is going to help. Like, uh, like when Charlotte beat Ronda at the Mania match, right? Was it Mania? Backlash? Backlash, I think it was. Where Backlash. they used that chair. Or was it Ronda used the chair? They used a chair to, and someone quit using the chair as an extra thing to make it happen. Yeah, Charlotte quit. Charlotte quit, yeah, and Ronda used quit. that thing. Something like that, where like if Liv's able to get a weapon involved in such a method that Ronda's kind of like, I'm not going to have this permanent damage. I'm going to have to quit. You know what I mean? Like That would make more sense than a regular match, which is why right. I think this is in favor of Liv in a lot of ways, because if Liv is scrappy enough, and I think that we're building that she is scrappy, that hey, yeah, maybe no rules is more fitting than trying to figure out how to outrule Ronda just because right. it's a different rule set. You know what I mean? Like, Right, right. Because right. I mean, Go right over now, and above instead of mm -hmm. trying to stay under. Yes. Go completely over and above, yeah. yeah I'd agree on my right charger, now, but... Right now, the, the story is really that Liv Morgan is still champion because the rules in WWE are that the referee's uh, final... Uh, um, the official makes the final ruling and whatever the referee says goes. And so even when you call it and you see it and you say, Oh, it's a bad, that's a bad call. We're like in football or basketball or whatever. You can do those replays and say, that's a bad call. We're going to reverse it. There's no reversing the call in, in WWE typically. Right. Well, not they've, anymore. <laughs> not anymore. They've done it before in the past. Other referees running out. No, 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 you can't do that. Right. You missed the thing. Right. But at this point, it's all like, Hey, the, what the referee says goes. And if the referee didn't see it, then, oh, well, it's your job as the uh, combatant to make sure the referee sees what you're doing, right? It's one of those right. things where, like, so that's what Liv's hanging her hat on. She beat Ronda because the rules are the ref didn't see the thing. Not that she didn't tap out. Not that she's better. Not that she survived. But that I won because the rules are such, right? And then that even, they didn't lean into it either. But you could even make this... The, the claim that that Liv was being conniving, knowing the referee couldn't see her, tapping on Ronda's leg to get her to release up. the hold yeah. Yeah. to finish the three count. I knew the ref didn't see me, but she's also a good guy. She can't say she's being conniving, right? But you could theoretically kayfabe that the ref didn't see me. I tapped the back of your leg. Like if she did a tap back here or something, that'd have been great. Because then it's all like, hey, look at I'm tapping. I know Rhonda can't see that the ref's not seeing me. I know the ref's looking straight down at her. And I know that she's going to let go if she feels me tapping because them's the rules. You let go when someone taps, right? They didn't lean into that. But I do think that Liv's promos, her talking bits, her backstage interviews, I think have gotten a lot better this year than in the past. And I know that, yes, she's never been... 
she's never been touted as somebody who can tell one of those amazing stories and you kind of circle back to when she was first getting her new character together and they interviewed her in the ring and said so you've been gone for a while what's what's your thing who are you what's going on and she's like i don't know we'll see <laughs> don't know and it was well i think like, that's oh. the thing with Liv. the thing with Liv is is content i think she has to believe in the words that are being spoke mm-hmm. when she has to make up that story like again you give becky like five words hey come up with something here you know like when she um was it after Liv that she wrestled where she no it was charlotte she wrestled charlotte at uh survivor series and then monday on raw she's getting cheered and then by the end of the promo she turns herself back into a heel yeah like Liv's not doing that no so if you give give Liv the content she can start believing in her words to where she knows her own flow and I do think that Liv's got a fire under her ass right now where she feels like she couldn't be happier to be this champion right now. She wants this. She's wanted it for so long. She keeps talking about that. I need this. I want this more than you. And there's very real. There's a very reality-based uh, feeling there. And I do think that that fire is what's driving her to to come up with, with the more believable deliveries in, in the right. story. I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing because if I... You know, I think she's starting to fall into the kayfabe a little bit. If I, I know I want this from a performer standpoint, but if I wanted this from a fighter standpoint, how far am I willing to go? What's my background? Who am I? I'm a trailer park kid from Jersey who shouldn't be here. And right. who's, who's Rhonda? You know, Silver Spoon trained medalist has every reason to take everything away from me. How far am I willing to go to keep that, to keep my plate? You know what I mean? Like, and I right. think she's starting to buy into it, and I think you're starting to see it in her in her promos, if I'm being honest. I love it. Taekwon in the chat does say, uh, Becky called Rhonda and Uber to the main event. Yep, 100%. Yeah. She didn't call uh, one for, for Charlotte, but Charlotte got in a taxi and said, follow that ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I am. I'm loving what, what is happening with Liv right now. I really am. And they're doing a lot of digital exclusive with her, giving her a little bit more mic time. On the digital side, it's not TV time, and each one of those is getting yeah. better and better too. That's good. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit because we're going to kind of run through some SmackDown stuff and then Raw stuff. Uh, okay. The Max Dupree stuff, where he's getting more and more mad at the models. He's been mm-hmm. hinting here and here, L.A., and then every now and again, yeah. This last week, he throws the the M belt buckle right at them and says, "This isn't for me," and storms off rumors now as they go is that he's officially la night back on their little internal sheets which i don't buy for two seconds that any of those motherfuckers have an internal sheet ever this person's on the baby face who don't cares not only do i not care i don't believe you i don't believe you just because like it's clear that this is the direction they're going doesn't mean you're an insider now because you're like it's on their official sheet like fuck somebody I, I put on Twitter the other day because they're, they're talking about the whole Sammy and Andrade thing, right? And somebody's like, uh, you know, whatever about it being, a, oh, is this a work or a shoot? Number one, those are wrestling terms, not fan terms, yeah. um, which we do get caught in wrestling terms, whatever. But those are wrestling terms. They're not for us, right? Yeah. And I said, well, if it's if this beef is for TV, it'll fucking be on TV. Tune in Wednesday. If it's yeah. not for TV, then somebody's not going to be there. And what are you going to do? stay on Twitter and try to figure it out until you figure it out. Like, just stop. It's going, diving deep into all this shit. Who fucking cares? Who cares? They, there was a time 
there were oh my god dude there was a time like five years ago right mm-hmm. how, man how do i watch all this tv there's fucking six hour pay-per-views uh man and then all of a sudden AEW comes around oh i don't know what i can watch man fucking three hours of raw uh two hours of nxt two hours of AEW, two hours of smackdown there's impact impacts doing good stuff up and then you're on Twitter for seven more fucking hours trying to figure out who the fucking white rabbit is. Pick one. Pick one. You can either watch on TV and enjoy that or just surf Twitter and try to figure it out while watching YouTube clips. But don't fucking say that, like, this is bullshit before and after watching TV. Like, I get it. You can be upset with certain storylines. But if if Max Dupree goes back to LA Knight, they've done a fantastic job building to him turning into LA Knight. Right. That's what that's they're what doing. Favorite... They're, tell- they're telling a fucking story on TV. Like That's what I love it about it too. Because it feels like, and I know that a lot of people will speculate or whatever, and some insiders will say they already knew, but it does feel like that there was a certain point where you go, what are we doing with this guy when we know what he's capable of doing? Right? And we even said that early on. It's like, this isn't the worst use of him, but we know it's not the best use of him. Uh, we know what he's capable of, and this feels like a straight jacket. And the thing is, is he's doing backflips in a straight jacket. Like, yeah. he's doing it, you know? And so it does feel a lot like we want to we wanna pull back. We want to get back to what we know he can do and be who he can be. Do we just, oh, he's different now? Do we just Ezekiel this and just have him come out? I'm Ezekiel now. Or do we tell the small story and get him there to where he comes out, there's there's no backwards. There's no moment of, hey, didn't you used to have a Jamaican accent? You know what I mean? Right. Like, those moments are all fun, and they're usable, and you can do it, and doesn't matter half the time. And especially here, we had Maxine Dupree show up, and Max was gone for a bit. He could have just popped up somewhere else. But at least this gives you a story and a connection to three other characters that they can always fall back on. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. L.A. Knight can go on to do things and get screwed over from time to time by an, a rising up Massey or a Mansoor. Or let's say the male modeling agency collapses and now it's actually Mace. And you know what? He's pissed that L.A. Knight went on without him. Now you can help that guy elevate. You know what I mean? Like you have story now that you can always fall back on, but you don't have to. And, and you, you have can, a reason for this character to be different. But you can take that same thing and then flip the relationship and Mace can go, you know what? You were right. Wherever that male models thing went, I'm riding with you now. You need help? I got you. The connections are there. It doesn't just yeah. have to be in adversity. It could be in support, too. So that's that's the fact that all that's coming about, yeah, you're connecting characters. You're going to the next step. And even if they don't touch going forward, they changed him to get away from it. That's okay, too. But yeah. who cares? They're going to tell us because what they've been doing, just like that white rabbit shit, is they give you a nugget. And then you go, this is fucking dope. I'm going to watch next time. This is dope. I'm going to watch next time. But all that shit intertwined so you can be the first one to know what happened. It's just so stupid. Yes, if he shows up at LA Night, somebody's going to go, oh, I fucking told you. Well, yeah, but it's also fucking right there that it looks like it's about to happen. So wait for it to happen. Dude, that's been one of, that was one of the reasons why we even started the show. The amount of times that we would, me and Kev would be on the phone. Because we would call each other on the way to work every day. Did you watch Raw last night? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I saw this segment or that segment. What do you think about this? And then we would always say things like, oh, it looks like they're going this direction with this or that. And then all of a sudden, like a day or two later, we'd see on fucking some stupid newsletters like, uh, we're reporting that this is what's going to be happening. I was like, yeah, you got that from watching the show. That wasn't inside knowledge. Like, you just watched right. 
You know right. what I mean? And if we, and and the amount of times they were wrong, they're going this direction. And we're like, no, if you watch the show, they're clearly going the other direction. And they would be right. like, nope, insider saying it's going to be this. Like um, with Cody. Remember there was a bunch of reports saying that Shane McMahon was going to be the going to be the swerve. They didn't even bother oh, swerve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they're not going to go back and say, oh, we were wrong about that. They're going to say, see, we were right, right about the Cody. Like, yeah, that's why we end up doing the show. We're like, if we're going to be right most of the time anyways, because all we're doing is watching the show and breaking it down a little bit, let's have fun with it. Let's drink and go on the YouTubes. Why not? Yeah, I- no, that's pretty much why I started my show that I haven't done in forever, but will do again at some point again on a consistent basis. But it is that thing. Like everyone has these fucking opinions and it's all guesses because we don't work there. Yes. If there was a, I heard some former writers talk about it. Like, yeah, a writer room podcast would be dope because you get to hear these in- intricacies of how certain storylines were built. But a lot of them back in the Vince era, like we didn't know what was going on. Like, the, there's there is an over exaggeration of Vince tearing up scripts, but it, there also is a way stories want to be told because they're trying, they are attempting, they're formulating a TV show to tell us fucking stories, and everybody wants to guess and guess and guess. I'm like, oh, you're fucking wrong. I was on wrestling Twitter for three months before I decided to unfollow every single journalist because yeah. they, they they're wrong way more than they're right. Yes. And who cares if you're right? If you're right, you just spoiled fucking two months of me watching something. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is I've, I've given no kudos to anyone being right, but I definitely give kudos to people who are having fun watching with me. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But I am excited for the potential return of LA Knight. Anything with him, dude. I mean, I've been liking what he did with, with the models. I did say early on this might go down as a uh, as a spirit squad style gimmick where everyone says can you believe that those that high a talent was used in that way for that time frame i've never thought the, okay. the gimmick itself devil's was amazing, advocate real quick but what else were you gonna do good exactly what else were you gonna do and was it good and during the time that they do a fashion show that's completely absurd was there a story to be able to tell as a tag team or singles to get these guys on tv more and more important Absolutely. You could have easily used a mace that's not a Masse in something like the Judgment Day. He'd have been perfect for a, a gimmick like that. You could have easily done something with Mansoor, where he's tagging up with... I mean, you could have had him tag up with an LA Knight as someone he's bringing along the way. Sort of like how he was doing with Mustafa Ali, except this time you can do it a little but bit it, different. But would it have been as good as the tennis fashion show? I think those guys being as good as they are, absolutely. No matter, I don't think it mattered where you put them; they were going to execute very well. I think that all right. they're all under underappreciated and underrated. I think a lot of people write off Mace and Mansoor as as lesser than performers, and I think that they're absolutely fantastic. I loved what I one of my big takeaways from the male models was watching the change of how. Mace and Mansoor wrestled as Masse and Mansoir. They were trying to figure out how would a model wrestle. Right. Not right. how would I wrestle if I were a, like, how would Mace wrestle as a model? It's how would a model wrestle as Masse. Right. Like, right. it was amazing. Which is my biggest issue of, like, when AJ Styles first showed up, and by the way, he's still the greatest anyway. Oh, um, I went back and watched matches. Kevin Steen and uh, Tyler Black and all that stuff that he had back in the day. And then he wrestles in WWE and it's all the same shit. Mm -hmm. But like when you have 
a new environment, wrestle differently. When you have a new character, wrestle differently. It's the the nuance in Kevin Owens now that he's back to the prize fighter using the pop-up powerbomb instead of the stunner. Um, you should wrestle differently. And doing that, I think, to your, to your uh, major point there, is them as a talent being able to do that. Yeah. Um, should definitely give them credit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see, let's see. What do you think about all the stuff that's going with Karrion Cross and Drew McInfart? Whatever. Uh, Cross, I just, I'm, he does nothing for me. He does nothing for me. And Drew McIntyre is, again, someone like, <laughs> like we just talked about. Whether he's the Terminator, whether he's the psychopath, whether he's the warrior, whether he's the champion, everything looks and sounds the same. There's no difference. It's all the same shit. He garners no sympathy when he's losing. Uh, he overcomes faster than Brock Lesnar when there's a two count. Like, it just, it, he does nothing for me. And even Cross's character work now, it's the same shit he was doing before. He gets overly pissed off. He sticks his bottom teeth out. He starts huffing and puffing. Um, the forearm to the back of the head looks fucking stupid. And he has one of the worst sleeper holds of all time. I, I just, I don't like any part of it. I'm not invested in any character whatsoever. I feel like Cross's biggest issue is that he's in there with Drew. I feel like Drew doesn't give anybody anything. Plus, Drew was a total asshole this last week. What was it? Who did he fucking start hitting with the strap for no reason? Who's not even associated with Cross? Theory. I don't know, but, yeah. He just started beating bad. the shit out of Theory with a strap. And then he's all like, that's because I'm coming for you, Cross. And you're like, what the fuck was that? You're a good guy and Theory's out there? Yeah, Theory's a bad guy, right? That's why you're in a match. But like, now after the match, you're going to start hitting him with the weapon, screaming at somebody else who he's not associated with? He just comes off like a total asshole. And I'm supposed to cheer for him. I just don't think that, kind of like you said, I don't think Drew stories are all that interesting to begin with because they're pretty cut and paste. And so by putting Cross in there... All I can think about is I just want Cross to win at the end and move on. Because I think that there's a lot of potential with Cross. I do. Th I like the character in general, and I like his promos, and I like the concept of you can tell he's thinking about things three steps out, where most of the guys, they, it looks like they're thinking about their one segment today, and that's it. You know? Okay. And so I, th I think that Cross, I mean, he might have enough rope to hang himself with, but he also might have a vision that comes to fruition pretty cool. And I think that that potential is there. And I think that's what I'm excited about. Where with Drew, it's all like, I've been seeing the same thing for years. I kind of think that he should go away for a little bit. Not in a bad way. Not in a like, hey, release him or anything. But like, and not that I want him injured. But I think that it's going to take a three to six month break from him to be excited for him to come back. You know what I mean? Like, maybe let him sit out now and have him come back for the Rumble. And then when he comes out the Rumble, he'll be like, oh shit, what's he going to do? Like... No, he's going to do the same shit. That's what he's going to do because it's what he does is the same shit. I think he needs a bigger overhaul. Look, I've been saying it for two years, and I know a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon afterwards, but him and Sheamus as a tag team would benefit everyone, uh, including Drew. But, again, as we're talking, uh, Sheamus is doing great work with the Brawling yeah. Brutes. His sympathy level is at an all-time high. Someone yeah. like Sheamus, people like are like baby-facing now because they like just want so much for him. It's amazing. Yes. Um, I think it actually would hurt Seamus at this point if he teamed with Drew. I do too. I do too. I do too. Um, so what if you allow for 
the connection of Jinder and Drew to get back together. And then the two of them tell their own story. Because my problem with both of them is when they're both on screen by themselves, it's too much of both of them as individuals. Is there a chance they can play off their history and tell us a different story? But I can't take Drew uh, on any type of solo storytelling. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. There was nothing about the Clash of the Castle match where people are saying they should have gave Drew the moment. What about the story actually felt like it? Just because it was at Clash of the Castle? No. They did a video package that looked like an awesome commercial for Scotland. Like I it's he's it's just not there. He doesn't he doesn't do that. He doesn't not for me. Yeah. That's just it too, is that was it he even said in the thing that he thought there was gonna be a legitimate riot, but like I don't think that was true at all. And I think also, like, realistically, yeah, the only reason people said he should win here is because it was in Wales. The location. Yeah. Just location, and that wasn't enough for me by any means. You know? Like I'll tell you this, it should have opened the show and let Walter and Seamus close. Yeah. Because even after that match, which honestly the crowd was hot the whole time, but even after that match it just wasn't it wasn't the same vibe the place would not would they have erupted sure but they wouldn't have erupted erupted um especially honestly if Sheamus had won at the end of the night the way they were loving that fucking match oh my god that dude. that would have set the place on fire but yeah it would that was a while Absolutely. ago it was so good and i love that Sheamus is still getting his flowers from it it was that oh yeah fucking good uh let's see Ronda Natty Live in a bat. When Liv threw the bat, or it fell, and it hit on the, the top, and the mat is rubbery, so it popped up and went inside the ring. I watched that clip probably a thousand times, dude. It's <laughs> so fucking cool. Uh, I am liking, as you mentioned it, though, everything with Seamus and Gunther. I'm liking Seamus getting his ass kicked. Is that all you got? <laughs> <laughs> so He's good. a gamer, man. He's there. He's there to play ball. He always has been. Uh, what do you think about all the damage control stuff that's happening? Bailey, EO. We've seen already we've gotten Bianca and EO. We got Alexa, EO. We got Dakota and yeah. uh, a, a few good ones. Like, me personally, I'm I'm loving what we're doing. I'm seeing a lot of criticism online for it. And I don't yeah. I don't understand. You know, something we talked about when the last time I was on, I believe it was episode one, um, was the whole change of coach. You know, are the players playing for the coach? And then you just summed it up earlier, too. Enough rope to hang yourself with. I think that's what's happening. I think that's what we're watching. Damage control in the beginning was very hit or miss. Very hit or miss. They they were – I was excited to see them, but not, not everything was landing. Um, but they were given time to improve how they speak, to improve how they interact, what direction are they taking this actual faction. Hey, let's give them a fucking name and a graphic, right? Mm-hmm. Since the graphic, since the name, now a direction – um it's great it's great honestly on raw i thought alexa was gonna turn on oscar and bianca the way the whole setup with uh oscar's knee i was like man wait was it alexa that actually smashed the knee you know because i i tuned out and tuned yeah. back in so i don't know if they showed the knee getting smashed mm-hmm. right so because alexa was like it was eo eo did it eo i'll see you later i'm like oh shit this is like and that shit would have been crazy. Imagine Alexa yeah. flipping, joining damage control. Um, but that's why I don't fantasy book, because I come up with ideas like that. 
I, I love it. I love it. Anytime you get more women on TV, what I do, um, I heard concerns with is that the women seem like they're closing the show gratuitously. Um, and I'll say this, the build to extreme rules isn't overarching crazy. There's no real, like it's even Matt, the best, one of the best stories, Matt Riddle and, and uh, Seth Rollins, they're still adding in Bobby Lashley to what Seth is doing. So mm-hmm. there is no real blood feud because that's the bloodiest of the feuds and they're still adding Lashley to what Seth is doing. So let's get through extreme rules and then you guys can start complaining about how shows are structured and what additional stories are being told. Um, and just let this shit happen. It's a three hour show. The matches will be where they are. But no, I love damage control. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking everything they've been doing has been awesome. I do think with Bailey standing tall on top of the ladder with the title there's a good chance she's not going to win because you know how they like to book it make them strong on the way in so when they lose it well this is a different day this is a different day got to remember that but this is a day who learned from them that's also true which i love (laughs) it's my favorite tweets to put out there is but i thought when triple h took over that the vince mcmahon stuff wasn't going to happen and it's it's all the same shit i mean yes triple h is structuring things differently but uh the perfect example is Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul. That's a Vince fucking match for sure. For sure. You, yeah. uh, the tri- Triple H, no, he's a wrestling purist and all this shit. Okay. Okay. What's the biggest attraction we can have in Saudi Arabia right now? Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul? That's that's a Triple H idea, right? Or is that or is that Vince McMahon? Right. The fuck out of here. We know everything. We're the fans. We know everything. Are you uh, mad about Logan Paul getting this match? Fuck no. Yeah, I'm not mad at Fuck all no. about it. I love no. watching people being like, this is what's wrong. I saw one dude actually tweet out, goes, celebrities are ruining wrestling. And I go, do you not? Is that like your way of saying you have no idea how wrestling ever even, <laughs> like, you know nothing about wrestling? Is that your way of saying it? Like, Muhammad Ali Here's boxing and Tony Anoki ruined wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, it's been it happening did. forever. Watch the first, what, four WrestleManias? Mm-hmm. And see if there's more celebrities than wrestlers, right? Yes. Like it's like a fifty-fifty thing. Andy Kaufman yes. <laughs> and Lawler is still touted it's, as one of the greatest wrestling storylines of all time because the guy was on sitcom. You know what I mean? Like fuck. This is the thing that everyone gets lost with. It's a TV show, and us as fans, we tend, and I'll a broad stroke because I know you don't do this because you don't watch sports. But we tend to root for this shit like it's actual sports, like it's an actual sports team. That's my guy. That's my team. He needs to win. Win what? Win what? The result of the TV show? Is Logan Paul going to beat Roman Reigns? No, he is not. Is the match going to entertain you? Most likely. Because Logan Paul's a fucking exceptional athlete in a wrestling ring. So there you go. Be entertained. Also, there's going to be 90,000 people there that are going to be absolutely entertained. And and Roman Reigns, it's like top three all time at making his opponent look phenomenal. The match is going to be really fucking good. So enjoy it and shut the fuck up. I think it really is one of the... It's going to be one of the matches that elevates both guys. Because I don't always think that... I don't think Drew elevated both guys. Drew and Roman didn't elevate both guys at all. Right. It, what it did was it highlighted Solo, that Solo was going to be a factor. Solo came out better. Drew and Roman both came out the same. This is one that's going to actually elevate both guys. Logan Paul's going to hang with Roman in a way. 
that people go, God damn, Logan's really good. Whether he gets his ass kicked and just sells like a motherfucker. Right. Or whether he has a couple near falls that really upset Roman. Right. He's going to look better for it. And people are going to be like, God damn, Logan Paul is not a fish out of water here. He belongs right. there. It's also going to elevate Roman because now Roman's in the same conversation as the Mayweather's and the the other guys that that Logan challenges when he's not in WWE. He challenges right. legends. Right. Now he went and did a press conference to challenge a current champion. Like it's going to elevate Roman. They both get Perfect out better. Example. Perfect example. On Raw, three million people see Roman Reigns and Logan Paul. Right, or on SmackDown, whichever one. Mm-hmm. And Logan Paul do 10 million pay-per-view buys. So there's 7 million more people watching the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wh- wh- who's the bigger draw, right? In our yeah. wrestling bubble, how can Logan Paul be there? But to your point, outside that bubble, it's like being in the movie with The Rock. Like, it's, yeah. it did just as much. Um, and I was thinking actually a little bit more nuanced within the wrestling bubble. If, if we're talking about Roman's reign at the end of this, and you go, you know what? That fucking Logan Paul match that he had at Saudi Arabia was fucking awesome. Whose fault is that? Who yeah. carries who? Who allows that match to look fucking awesome? I'll tell you what. You know what match would be fucking amazing? AJ versus Logan Paul. How incredible would that match look? Everything we've yeah. seen Logan Paul do and everything we know uh, AJ Styles is capable of. And if AJ lost that match, you go, fuck, man. Logan Paul's pretty fucking good. Yeah. You know, like, it's... So, just watch. Watch and be entertained. I'm not mad at it at all. And I think Roman's... You're right, though. Roman's... Um, Roman being put on the level of a Mayweather, who is a billion-dollar entity. Uh-huh. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, because news sources legitimate news sources will talk about whatever Logan Paul is doing and who he's challenging now. And now we talk right. about Roman Reigns and some people are going to be like, who's that? I mean, it's the WWE guy. I'm like, is he all that much? Oh, fucking is. He is now. Right. Um, let me see. What do you think of the Miz stuff going on? Let's talk about a couple misses as it turns out. What do you think about the Miz <laughs> and Dexter? Yeah, unfortunately for the Miz, he's one note, right? I do think he's a legend. I do think he deserves his props, his flowers, all that stuff too, um, because he's really good at what he does. The problem is we've seen him do it all the time. It's it's if you take out Dexter and you insert Bray, it's the same thing. When Bray put the doll in the in the what you call in the carriage and all that shit, like yeah, you know, it's the same thing. And Miz is acting the same way. If you're not used to that story from before, then this is coming off great. Or if you yeah. just started watching the Miz or wrestling like the last two years, this is great. It's what the Miz does, though. Like it's just the same thing over and over. And I'm a little tired of it because, um, you know, you're right. Like it, it's, it's not a miss. We've just seen it so many fucking times. The reason I think it's a flat out miss is because we a have seen it too many times, and b Dexter's bringing literally nothing to this. Dexter is right. just standing there staring, trying to be creepy, and it's cartoon creepy. It's Disney villain creepy. It's it's Saturday morning cartoon creepy. It's not actual creepy, and there's no reason. He's a mute, so there's no, no explanation. All of a sudden, this dude shows up. They keep insinuating about some sort of horrible physical abuses that Miz is getting, and I think that that's not in best taste, the way that they're doing it. 
and it, to me, it's like I was excited for Dexter and NXT until he had and he had a strap match with Grimes, and it was amazing. And then everything yeah. after that, when he joined the way, became a goddamn cartoon. And this is all the worst parts of Dexter combined with all the flat parts of Miz. And here's two exceptional performers pigeonholed by these two stupid concepts. Okay. No, that's that's correct. Because I was actually going to ask you, do you think this is a proper introduction to Dexter Loomis? And I think when you put it that way, it makes a lot of sense. What I would like to see, um, hey, Miz, hey, Dexter, the story isn't working. Um, you guys got 12 minutes. Go ahead. Yeah. Because I think they could, they could pull that off. Yeah, <laughs> they could probably. definitely pull that off. But if they have to wrestle within the context of this story, it's going to look not what they're capable of. So I'll give you that for sure. Sometimes I wonder, because they did so much in the empty warehouse and the small Florida... Uh, uh, CWC. The CWC, the, the, the local crowd that loves everything NXT does. Sometimes oh, I wonder if, if Triple H and HBK both have been tainted by those fans and don't know what's actually working or not. And they say, oh, it worked in NXT, it'll work here. You had 50 people in the building who will love everything you ever give them by definition because it's not the other thing. I don't feel like this did work. I feel like it was an empty warehouse. I feel like you had hired fans to cheer and tweet and seeing 1,000 positive tweets about a wedding that was trash does not equate to 2.5 million people watching and loving a thing. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and also look at the invested party too. Um, Grimes is different than Miz. Yes. And maybe if this wasn't happening to the Miz, then okay. But again, to, you know, the, the roster sheet that we're not privy to when it goes, who can handle a storyline by themselves on the microphone? I mean, the Miz is going to be up there. So it's like, okay, we'll put Dexter with him, right? Like, yeah. But it's the same Miz with the same story. So, and I he's overacting that. again. They're both a little overacting. too much. Yeah. Yeah. They're both overacting, yeah. and I don't like that. Blue Boyd's yeah. in the chat talking about intrigued by Cross, saying that wish they cared about Loomis. They find this thing boring. I want to know also about the second blind spot I feel like Triple H has, because I feel like it's a massive blind spot by HBK, and I feel like HBK is Triple H's blind spot. I know no one's ever said HBK is brilliant when it comes to the mind of wrestling. They always say he's brilliant when it comes to bell to bell. However, they've also talked about how unprofessional he can be. They talk about how he's in it for himself, how he's always been able to put himself over, but not necessarily other people. You watch the Hogan match that HBK had, and all you see is a cartoon playing out in real time, which we can laugh at as fans in hindsight, but did nothing for either person realistically. And now we fast forward to having the biggest cartoon in Johnny Gargano on the main roster. Tell me if I'm seeing this wrong. Every time he comes out and they pan the crowd, two dozen people are standing clapping. A lot of people are on their hands, I feel like. It's funny. It's funny because he came out on Raw this week and he put the hand up. And I was like, yeah, he's looking for the people who are going to clap because I don't notice it as much as you do. But I did notice it this time because when they pan back around the announcers, like the first seven rows are like, what the fuck is going on? Well, what are we what are we watching? And I do think it's an overestimation of how popular he is. Is he athletic? Yes. Is he talented? Yes. Does he put it all together well? No. He does Johnny Gargano. 
And I remember you talking, I believe it was on episode one about the Gargano Gable match where he has the ability to chain wrestle. And we alluded to it a little bit earlier on how you switch your styles for different scenarios. A guy like Kevin Owens who can wrestle off the top rope and he can wrestle on the mat and he can go to the outside and he can brawl and he can also sit in a headlock and yell at the crowd for 30 minutes. Being able to intermix all of these things to give you something to grab onto is why you care about a character. But when Johnny comes out and honestly, there's been no reintroduction because someone like myself, and I know Marsh is on another level of it, but I was never really a Gargano fan anyway. So what, what are you going to reintroduce to me? And every time someone's on TV, it's a new opportunity to introduce you to them, their talent, their abilities. What are they doing with Gargano on Raw to introduce him to me to give a fuck? And if you're telling me that, oh, this is a guy who's already successful and already has all these fans, and look, he's looking, oh, I see you over there. I see you over there. Oh, yeah, I see you too. Yeah, it's just those two. It's just those two. But who's Johnny Gargano? Oh, Johnny Gargano's the guy. Yeah, yeah, Kev, you're right. Yeah, that's right. That's I'm sorry, man. He is nothing more than a hype man at this point and what he does in the ring. And I'll stop fucking you guys might hear this as a compliment and it's not to me. He is so much like Kenny Omega where it's about the it's not about the story of the match. It's about the athleticism when it comes to performing and how mm-hmm. it looks like to be a pro wrestler. Gargano goes to do this kick and he's fucking doing this prey pose. Why? Where in the story does this make sense? This is just what you do before that. It's like when Daniel Bryan stops the momentum of a match to clap his hands together before he does the yes kicks. Why are you doing this? Why this is you're, you just stop the flow of the match. You're allowing your opponent the opportunity to to dust himself off before he gets kicked in the chest. Stop the three, it. two, one, claymore. Yeah, all that stuff. There's even Roman Reigns with the ooh He tries to time it out to when they're getting up at a certain point. But when you yell and the entire crowd yells. If I'm going to get speared, I go, hold on. That's what it sounds like before you get speared by Roman. Maybe he shouldn't do that. But the, my point about Gargano is he's, he's into Gargano, doing Gargano. And I've said this about AEW. If Kenny Omega wasn't a star beforehand, I wouldn't know he's a star because they're not telling me he is. They're not showing, they're not uh, uh, delivering the information. They're presenting him. Gargano's being presented as a star. Mm-hmm. But it's not coming off that way because I don't have the information or know-how. And he's also not uh, hes not carrying his own weight. His promos right. aren't doing it. Uh, everything that Kevin – and it's funny because Kevin Owens seems to be his biggest fan on yeah. TV, but he's also outshining him like a fucking solar eclipse. Like he's hes right over top of the moon and we're seeing nothing but sun. Like it's, it's incre- in every aspect. He's doing a character change in the middle of the introduction of a character of someone else, and he's completely outperforming. Yeah, and he's trying so hard. Like, it's insane to me to watch them try so hard to convince the fans that Gargano's a big deal. And Gargano's, like you said, holding up none of that because he comes out and he's goofy and silly. He is easily throwaway. And then, like, when they had the whole backstage thing with with Gargano and Kevin and... um, the Alpha Academy. Do they still call it the Alpha Academy? Uh, not really. 
Not really. It's, it's a lot of Chad Gable and his pupil Otis. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Academy. Uh, Gargano came off where everyone was delivering their lines and understands the importance of silence, even in humor. Gargano came off as silence is my opportunity to get more of my voice on TV. Right. He couldn't just shut the fuck up for a couple of seconds to let things sink in. He had to be right. a cartoon. Hmm, what? Hmm, oh, hmm, oh. Yeah, yeah. No matter what someone's saying. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh, oh, really? Oh, really? Was that really helpful? Do you? Right. Are because now you're coming off like a smarmy piece of shit when you're supposed to be making the other guy look like a smarmy piece of shit. Now you're coming off as of someone not listening to somebody who's talking some shit that you should take seriously and then want to fight him over. Right? This is we're selling combat, right? Like. Isn't that Becky said that in one of the things? I'm in the business of combat, of, of selling we, conflict. When we first got on, the first story we talked about was the introduction of someone like Solo Sokoa, who's oh. had roughly the same amount of TV time as Gargano. And what character do you understand more? And it's not just because Soko- Solo is associated with the bloodline. And maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's how he fits into the bloodline is why you can understand who he is as a character. And honestly root for his success because yeah. you see where his accomplishments can lie but you have someone standing next to kevin owens who is widely beloved and shouts to sammy and ko for you know helping build both these characters yeah when you're when you're introducing someone like johnny who has a complete history of what's going on uh you know a complete history in his wrestling repertoire um and again same thing's happening with candace too who the fuck is candace LeRae? Poison Pixie? Okay. You know what she is, though? She's a pretty fucking good wrestler in the ring and doesn't look like she doesn't belong in the ring. She doesn't actually undermine her opponent uh, in the ring. But who is she as a character? How does she fit in against, you know, the rest of... uh, um, uh, Fuck! Damage control. God damn it. I almost called them control delete. I almost called them fucking toxic attraction. Um... But no, like, how does how does she fit in on this roster? But you know what we're getting with Candice LeRae? Small introductions in wrestling matches. Not too much when it comes to facial expressions and microphone time. Yeah. Uh, and maybe her husband can learn from that. Because whatever, yeah, whatever they're doing with Johnny, it's too much Johnny. Which was well, your was, point in NXT. Yeah, that was my point with the way. That Candice was easily the best part of the way. That you could see that she understood comedic timing. She understood subtlety in those moments because a lot of their stuff was gags. It was jokes. They were clowns. It was a clown group. Yeah. It was always comic relief. And the only one who understood comic timing was Candice LeRae. Everyone else was all like, oh, if you just do this super silly childish thing, then it's funny. And you go, no, it's not. You know what I mean, like, they're all SpongeBob and she was fucking Frasier. You know what I mean? Or Seinfeld. Right. Like, she understood what comedy is and they just understand what weird is. And you go, okay, well, weird by definition isn't funny or comedy. Uh, Blue Boyd's in the chat says, as someone who wasn't watching when he was popular, I still don't know what makes him great, he, but he did have a great match with an Olympian. Yeah, I think Gable should be getting a lot more props than he's getting right now. His match with Braun was great. His match with Gargano awesome. was great. How good was that? So, that match with Braun was awesome. And I've I've grown so sour on Braun. Uh, I, I don't get it. Weird, right? Yeah. Well, I made this comment, I think it was on episode one. Is when Brown was getting his build against Roman when he first debuted and all that stuff, and he never got over the hump, and he was saddled with Nicholas at WrestleMania. 
I felt like he was our champion. Like as the fans, they actually built a monster that we believed in, but why didn't yeah. he get the title? Why isn't he getting the title? And as soon as he got there, they just changed everything about his presentation, his character, all this shit. And it just, everything was falling flat. And even now, what are we grabbing onto? There's nothing to grab onto. I think that like, and it's also weird because you even hear on commentating, uh, I believe uh, Corey had said that he had Braun on the show and said that Braun is saying that now's the time to start doing something different, be a little new, freshen up who he is. And the moment he says that, Braun does the choo-choo mm-hmm. fucking and fucking does the run around the thing and then just screams Aah! and you just go, okay, well, this is same old, same old. And it's not that like this isn't a good way to introduce him back to us. Hey, remember this guy who did this, Correct. this powerhouse shit? But he's there now. Now we've right. seen him in a couple of matches. He's won a couple. Now it would be nice to see something a little different. Like you can't just shave his head, trim his beard, give him a different color pair of pants and say, see, he's different. He's got the same music. His graphic is largely the same. It just says monster of monsters instead of monsters among men. Like right. it's, it's so much the same that I feel like it became immediately stale. And I feel like there was, he is in the best shape of his life. He looks incredible. He's yep. actually wrestling better than he used to. His match with Otis was fantastic. It was. Yes. But he still has a hard time selling long-term, and I say that in that he'll sell the move, but he won't sell the after-effects of a move. Right. He'll lay down for a minute. The low but back, then when it's, the knee, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, where in some cases I'll laugh at Bailey and Roxanne, they both do this, where after a match they hold their stomach. No matter yeah. what the match was or what body part was hurt, they're holding their stomach. Like, oh, Oh, I'm so sore in my stomach area. And you're like, okay, but they were working your knee. Shouldn't your knee also be, you know what I mean? But the, what they're trying to do is sell the exhaustion of a, of a yes, fight. They're tired. You know, they're tired. They're exhausted. They got that look in their eyes like, oh, man, I was in a fight. They're holding their stomach like, oh, my knee hurts. We're <laughs> like, brawn. He'll take a move, lay down, and give that look on his face like, oh, God, I'm so hurt. But then it's like, okay, Braun, now's where you attack. And he goes, okay, and jumps back up, full full health. Oh! And then he looks like he wasn't in a fight. He looks like he just got to the ring. And you go, oh, well, right. I want to feel like that someone who's 400 pounds, whether he be 5'6 or not, <laughs> <laughs> probably hurt you some. And you thought, man, what a dude, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I feel like that. I wouldn't say I'm tired and over Braun already. I would say I'm definitely itching for something different with Braun already. I think well, there's yeah. potential there. Yeah. And I think something's being squandered immediately. And I just. Well, to um, my point earlier, like what, and I, I said this, I usually say this all the time, right? Well, wait and see what happens. Wait and see what happens. You know, it looks like a reset's coming. It looks like a reset's coming. Um, I do think though, as far as show structure, on TV and who we're seeing. Like I said, when, when you have one of the best views between Riddle and Seth still involving Bobby Lashley, I think there is an overall direction they're going to get to, and we have to let them get there. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're, you know, we went from seeing Braun Strowman tear down the entire tag division to now just isolating on the Alpha Academy. Okay, what's next? Where do we go from here? Um, so there is potential that over the, you know, cause we have the Saudi show, we have survivor series, um, you know, t- tuning into the rumble, like as that season kind of gets going, 
I do think we'll find a clearer path on who everyone is. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, what do you think of the AJ Styles, Finn Balor stuff? It's, it's tough because it's not clear. It almost, like this past Monday felt like a beat in, right? Like they're, they're going to exhaust AJ to the point where he's going to join. And I, 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 cause even Finn's like, he, he put uh, photos on Twitter going, that's what friends are for. Yeah. And, and by the way, I didn't watch any new Japan before I knew who Finn Balor or AJ style was watched none of it. And I've heard AJ say this multiple times. Finn Balor's last day in the bullet club was the day before his first day in the bullet Mm -hmm. club. They were never in it together. So when people see AJ and Finn together and they go, oh, my God, they're going to form the Bullet Club. They were never in it together. Like, I get it. It's two separate members. But it's like saying, you know, like, I don't know, uh, Patrick Ewing and, and, and Carmelo Anthony are now in a room together. They're going to reform the Knicks. Well, they never played together as the Knicks. Like, and they both yeah. played on different teams as well. Like, you know, it's not <laughs> I, I get what you guys are saying, but they were never a team ever. So no, what, are you, what are you itching for? I think the itch is this, is the Bullet Club was very good and worked in many ways. And here are two of the greatest who were ever in it, in the same company at the same time for the first time kind of concept, where it's like, this could be, in for all intents and purposes, a better version of. This could be the best version of, right? Then say that. Say the Bullet Club we never got, the, the chance yes. that we missed. They're not reforming anything because they never did it, is my point. Here's my thought. Finn Balor keeps talking about friendships. You've got nobody. You have no friends. This is you need us. And AJ looking exhausted by it all. And you so think, wait a second. So they're going to steal AEW storytelling is what you're saying. The power of friendship. Power of friendship. They're gonna they're gonna too sweet, and the <laughs> rainbow is gonna come out of their hands, bridge over, and they're both gonna be suddenly wearing heart shirts with each other's faces <laughs> inside of it. I think this could very well be, no one's talking about it, I think this could very well be the reintroduction of the Good Brothers. Okay. I think the Good Brothers come back and join AJ against the Judgment Day because all he needed was a couple of Good, bro- a good Brothers, a couple of friends. I think this is, this is the return of the Good Brothers. Okay, the good so brothers, you just spoiled something, so if it happens, it's not going to be fun anymore. I didn't spoil shit, man. Bruce is a good friend of mine. He told me. <laughs> he said it in the chat earlier. Uh, I think that I think that's where we're going because, for one, there's two things I know. The Good Brothers have always talked very highly of Triple H, in every right. interview they've ever had, and two, their Impact contract expired or they did not renew it. So they're currently and three. Playing. Three. No one is helping AJ. No one's helping AJ at all. And Ray well, Mysterio was. Ray then, was, but he pushed him away. So he pushed him like a punk, dude. Ray is very yeah. nice. I can attest as someone who has met him. <laughs> yeah, you're best friends now. <laughs> We're best friends. Me, me, and Ray, we go way back. We homies. We do our thing <laughs> together. We be hanging. Both, both born in San Diego. I started doing this. I met Ray at both at, Hispanic. It's true. When I met Ray at CAC, 
he kept doing this. And so I started doing that. And then I've noticed I started doing that for days after. <laughs> <laughs> and I was all like, oh. But, uh, I I do think though here. So it, let's say it's not the Good Brothers. Do you think AJ joining the Judgment Day would be a good call in general? Because I don't see how he would fit personally. He probably well, would execute great, but I don't. He fits. Don't he it. fits because no one fits. the mm. The cohesiveness of Judgment Day is that they got each other's back, right? That's but true. in in a setting. But I don't. I don't. What Finn and Damien are a tag team? No, like it's just not. No, right. So like, and and Dom and and Rhea, like, where do they fit in? They just they're telling their own story, right? So I don't think anyone fits in Judgment Day, but to the to the credit of what they're doing, they do make sense together. Yeah. But they also don't do anything together except for everything together. You know what I mean? So like, since nobody yeah. fits, I think everybody fits. It's one of those things. Um, so if AJ joined, I can see how it would be a power numbers thing. Like the NWO, for instance, right? It was tag team world champion. Um, everyone else has our back. We're never going to lose. That's not what this is. This is a, and they're not even actually, they're not even doing like a, they're not even on a mission, right? To, yeah. to take anyone down or overrule the company. No, they're just making sure that we got each other's back through this commonality of this whole landscape's kind of bullshit. So if AJ joined because no one's got his back and he just needs people to have his back and he's going to set out a goal of making sure he never gets fucked over, then it makes sense. Um, but I, I mean, the good brothers thing makes a lot more sense and it kind of sticks with triple H's theme of grouping a bunch of people together to kind of, you know, get people on TV and go from there. So no. I can see it make a good survivor series match although aj would be able to enter the judgment day without having to get pegged by Rhea, and that would be nice well i mean depends on if he likes it that's a good point that's a preference thing it's a really good point yeah yeah and we, don't judge. Knock we don't judge no judge on judgment day yeah i wouldn't knock a sub either so would not would not you actually uh, encourage subs don't you i do i'm all about subs and likes <laughs> and notifications <laughs> I like what Edge is doing mostly. Like, I like his delivery and everything. This last promo he did where he was all like, the one thing I've done in this whole return is never be a character. And I was all like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) We watched. The whole Judgment Day was your thing, and it was super character. (laughs) You cut cut your hair, hair, (laughs) growing it out. You had a brood entrance. Shut the fuck up. You did up. the brood thing. <laughs> you wore a mask for a bit. You know, like, come on, come on. And like, yeah, Fucking all liars. the Judgment Day was like, hey, I'm at the height of my babyface run of my career. Let me pretend to be bad and make no sense of it, <laughs> and people will just boo me because they like me. And you're like, yeah, that's true. We will, but let's not pretend the thing. But right. it does make me wonder. I think I do feel like we're probably realistically actually on the tail end of his career, and I wonder when he's going to wrap it up. Probably within a year, I think. My curiosity on that standpoint is um, how did plans change when Triple H took over? Mm-hmm. What what did he set out with Vince to say, hey, um, you know, get me in there with Seth. You know, let me yeah. tie it up with Finn. Let me get there with AJ. Let me let me get in with these guys. Let me wrestle Roman and Daniel Bryan. Like, 
And he's like, fucking right, pal. It sounds fucking amazing. And Triple H is like, I got you, but like, you know, there's a big show I got to kind of take care of now. We're not saying that he doesn't fit in because he absolutely does. And everything Edge has done has really been um, appointment viewing, at least on the match standpoint. I don't think he's missed in a match since he's been back um, when he gets in the ring. You know, how we get there may have been funky or not. But anyway, um, but where does it end? How does it end? You know, what What are we looking at? What What else would you want him to do? Um, so. Yeah. I, I think or what so else too. would he even want to do? You know? Yeah. Was there a match that you feel like we haven't had that was a dream match yet with Edge? Um, the only thing for me is we talked about it. I think it was on episode one or maybe one of the episodes on my show, com for all platforms, at Podcast on Twitter. Um that a when weekly show money, or a bi-monthly show? Uh, whatever. You know, <laughs> subscribe. Subscribe. And when you subscribe, hit the refresh, we'll it might be there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on all platforms, unlike some people who can't get on the fucking iTunes. But ridiculous. Uh, shout out to the Anti Wrestling Podcast. Those guys are awesome. Those guys, the only reason I didn't ask those guys on is because I didn't want to have to have the Gargano conversation with them. That makes sense. <laughs> You'd be here for four more hours talking about how great Gargano is, but God, I hate this. <laughs> um, no, uh, they, when Edge won Money in the Bank um, and he went down to NXT and he went face-to-face with Finn and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. This makes fucking sense. Yeah. Well, it's right here now. So, um, yeah, other than that, know. yeah, other than that, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so, but name one person and i'll be like yeah that sounds amazing you know so i mean if we got bray wyatt to come back and we'll talk about that next if bray did come back i think bray and edge could be cool but i also think that bray's gonna likely be on a different trajectory that would make me not necessarily need it you know what i mean well and it would feel almost redundant pulling from those parts of edge that we've seen pulled from before yes when it comes yes. to the brood stuff and the darker side and all that since since he's already hit that of course bray could pull the perfect version out of that and yes, yes in ring wise i've always loved bray in ring wise um but the story wise, like i just said like how much how many of these stories do you remember of edge compared to the matches that he told his best story was with randy and that was the first one uh but yeah. all the matches have been awesome so um but no anyone else that you can think of besides bray um, let's see. I mean, Gunther and Sheamus, either of those would be good matches, but I don't know if I'd feel like it's a dream match. Um, we got AJ Edge. I'm pulling up the roster right here and kind of scrolling through it. Aaliyah James is still on there? She's not even a champion. I wonder if they brought her over to NXT. She was in NXT UK. Uh, let's see. I mean, Brown Breaker would probably be a good match, but again, no reason. Uh, Theory would be good, but no reason. I mean, like, I'm trying to think of, like, dream match. Like, what would be badass? Obviously, Lashley would be good, but no reason that I can think of. I don't know if Brock would matter. What about... What about a retirement match and build with Brock Lesnar? I don't know if I need Edge to be retired by Brock. I could see Cody. Cody Edge could be great. You do that the right way. Why? Yeah. Cause Cody's I just don't get the color. Because <laughs> I think it, the both those dudes are so good at telling stories, I think they could make sense out of it in a way that actually could mean something for one or two matches. 
And both those guys think of, of story arc matches. They're like, okay, we do one, two, three, and this is what those matches look like. I think they could do something really good together. And I could even see, if you want to talk retirement matches, I could theoretically see either Cody or Kevin Owens retiring Edge and making a lot of sense out of it. Kevin Owens would be great. Um, yeah. But I just said that because, I mean, we know Brock doesn't have much left either, or I would assume. So it'd be cool to see the two of them in a loser leaves town match where one of them has to retire. And we know both of them are basically done, but also both of them could wrestle tomorrow too. Um, so I just thought from a, a believability mm-hmm. standpoint, because if he, if Edge puts his career up against KO, he's losing. There's no believability that he's going to win. You know, that's all. That's from that standpoint. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Edge versus him, Macho uh... Man would be cool. Um, Edge versus Edge could lose his career to Corbin, and that could help Corbin with how much people hate oh, him. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Fucking love Barry Corbin. So good. <laughs> um, Jinder Mahal. I mean, I do think that another Cena match would be cool, but I don't think I'd call it a dream match by any means. I'm like, I'm literally scrolling through looking for a dream match from. I tell you what, point. when you look at what him and Randy did. It would be a great story, and the match would pay off to the story if yes. if him and Cena went after it. Um, and as wrestling fans, at least myself, like we would be able to feel that match. So, yes, mm, I could also see realistically, uh, La Knight could be very good with him because I do think that. As much as there's not much of a history with LA Knight in WWE, the dude has been wrestling for like 20 years, and I think him getting in the ring with uh, Ed. He could tell the story. Could, they could tell the story, could, and they would yeah, make they it could special. Tell the story. Yeah, you know, they could tell the story. Yep. Um, I don't know, Champa. I, I think you bring Christian back, and I you have the two of them. Rail back. Yeah. Oh, then that's just copying AEW. Yeah. The fucking young bucks did that. So stupid. Oh yeah, that was awful. Uh, yeah, that's like, like I crazy. looked at the whole roster. That's the best I got. Uh, so let's talk uh, two quick things here. What do you think about all the White Rabbit stuff? Um, I just I hate the investigative journalism of it. I hate that people go so fucking hard and want to guess all the fucking time. It gets exhaustive. Um, I just the wrestling five, the best follow on wrestling Twitter. Um, you know, we were talking yesterday about it, and I said. Uh, I said, what if it's not Bray Wyatt? And he goes, the person's doomed to fail. I said, why? Yeah. Why? Why would they be doomed to fail? Isn't this build fucking awesome? Yeah, but it's Bray Wyatt. I said, but what if it's not? If it's not Bray Wyatt, is it still an awesome build? The payoff is on us as fans. If we tell ourselves every fucking day it's Bray Wyatt and it's not, that is not WWE's fault. That is not Triple H's fault. That is your fault as a fan for guessing Bray Wyatt every fucking day. Is the build really fucking cool? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's awesome that this kind of creativity is there. Um, If the only person that it can be attached to is Bray Wyatt, because that's how creative it is, then, you know, sucks for other people not to be able to, to be this creative. It also sucks for Bray Wyatt to have to live up to this expectation. But... Is it really cool? Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. 
what I've really enjoyed. So I got two sides of it. One, when it first was happening, it was like, oh shit, can't miss. I have to watch this. I have to see the next clue. I got to see the thing. Once I realized, and by once I realized, I mean the second clue, that each clue was going to lead to watch the next show, but no actual information was being given. I went, oh, it's a commercial. It is a deep-rooted commercial for the next show. If they're never going to give the this is the person and this is when they're coming kind of concept, so it's like, oh, if you follow the scavenger hunt and you follow the rabbit down the the, the turning glass or whatever, if it's just a commercial for the next show and saying, yeah, Bray Wyatt's coming and it's going to be eventually and here's a fun little game to play along the way, I'll let everyone else do the dirty work. I wait for right. it to drop. I the next day I scroll through. What what did people find in there? Oh, that's cool. But I'm not invested in the clues at all anymore because each clue is. Did you notice it shows the date for the next RAW? Yeah, right. I had a feeling. Did you and notice the it gave the location of the next yeah. SmackDown? Yeah. Oh. Does that mean anything? Yeah. It means that there'll be another clue at the next one. Okay, that's not a clue. Right. It's right. A commercial. Right. If the clue is watch the next show, then it's a commercial, not a clue, right? Now, there is some stuff they're digging up where people are really like, oh, what about this? What about that? Or this this seems Wyatt-esque, or this is a rabbit over here. A lot of the clues are just other things of rabbits, which, again, is not a clue. <laughs> right. So it's like, for me, I think it's really fun. I'm not invested in it at all. Right. But I do think it's a really cool way to do this. And I think it's really cool right. to have the internet kind of talking and speculating. What I hope more than anything is I hope it's Baron Corbin. Right. Or Shane McMahon. Right. <laughs> or Carmella. Right. Could be Carmella. I think it'd be great and if it wasn't Bray just to watch the yes. world melt. Yes. And whose fault? Although, again, whose fault is that? That's the But world. I wouldn't be it's, mad if it's Bray either because I love Bray. Well, of course. He's fucking amazing. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's, it's the IWC fault. It's the fan fault. The build is awesome. This stuff is pretty cool, especially if you have these nuggets that do connect together to what the payoff is, right? Like if everything we saw, it's like watching Endgame, right? And, and when you watch Marvel's Endgame and at the very last scene, uh, uh, John Favreau asked the daughter, what do you like to eat? And she goes, cheeseburgers. It's the very first thing in the first movie that Tony Stark asked for when he comes back from, you know, so the first movie ties into the last movie and you get this full build to that moment. If all these clues lead up to who the character is, it's your fault for assuming it's Bray Wyatt and not that character. But if every little bit of clue you hold on to, you're like, all right, this clue's awesome. This clue's awesome. Oh my God, it's this, whoa. And this character's doing it. great. But when the character does that and that character isn't Bray Wyatt, that's your fault. What I think would be cool is, so there's two types of investigation, right? There's investigation for the facts and there's investigation for confirmation. When you uh -huh. assume the answer and you try to find how each clue is connected to the answer versus when you track all the clues and see where it leads you. It would be great if somebody was smart enough to attach all these clues that could be easily tied into Bray, but actually lead you somewhere else if you weren't looking at Bray for the answer. Right. So then it's completely like, yes, this is how, that's why some of my favorite theories yeah. I've been seeing over there are like Edge and, and, um, 
I think I saw a pretty good one that explained potentially Corbin. And the, yeah. the, the reason I like him is because they're like, yes, yes. If you ignore the connections to Bray, these are connections to other people as well. And those ones are fun for me because it's all like, wouldn't it be great if all of the world... Now, it would it would suck in a way because the reason people are doing this is because they love Bray. That's why yes. they're trying to connect it to Bray. They want it to be Bray because they miss Bray and they love him. And that's awesome. Yes. But at the same time, you can shoot yourself in the foot. If you are just not looking at what you're given and taking what you want out of it. So, so let's say it turns out to be, I, I don't know. Let's say it is Baron Corbin since you brought him up. Let's say it's Baron Corbin, right? And he debuts to White Rabbit, right? Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the show, after it all goes off, a QR code flips up again. And it leads you to the next episode with another clue. And Bray White or uh, Baron Corbin comes out to to White Rabbit on SmackDown, and then the thing happens, and another QR code pops up, and it gives you another clue. And then three weeks after Baron Corbin shows up, someone else shows up. Harland comes back as mm -hmm. Parker Bordeaux, right? Or or Parker Bordeaux comes back as Harland, and then another QR, and it keeps fucking going. And then eventually you get to Bray White. Are you just going to be pissed off? that Bray Wyatt didn't show up first because you didn't get what you want? Or are you going to continue to go along with this really awesome told story? You know, you can't tell, you can't say that, oh, they, they can't fucking tell stories. No, you're trying to tell the story. Like you said, you're going for confirmation. A clue comes up and then they fucking search Bray Wyatt's Twitter to go, oh, he said this on this date. Well, yeah, a lot of people say a lot of shit all the time. Yeah. You could probably connect it to fucking, I don't know, I anyone you can connect it to the fucking prime minister of england like everyone says a lot of shit all the time yeah it would be a neat way to build a faction to have them introduce like a white rabbit's playing and then another one like the queen of hearts is uh, some queen of hearts song is playing and then there's like three right. weeks of that and by the end of it here's bray and all those people come out and they circle them or whatever and it's like not the wyatt family but it's you know something Wyatt and wonderland yeah. you know yeah it'd be pretty neat it'd be a cool way to do it um but i mean i guess we don't know what's what's happening with it uh i'm excited about it if it's bray i'm really happy i like that guy i miss him and i want to see what he can do with uh, a little bit of guidance but a lot more freedom you know absolutely uh i have one last thing to ask you about because i know we got to be wrapping it up here uh action bronson mm-hmm is he, uh, I mean, I listen to, do you think he's good at uh, rapping? Not my cup of tea, okay. but I get it. Okay. I didn't get it when I heard it. Cause so okay. I, he's, he's doing the thing with hook right. on AEW and I go, Oh, he's a rapper. I think I've heard of the name. I'll look him up because the first thing I thought was like, man, this dude looks like a mean motherfucker. I would not want to piss him off. And then they're showing him, like, train with Hook. And I was like, definitely don't want to piss him off. Like, that's the dude who could probably beat the shit out of me. So I was like, let me listen to his music. And I went, huh. That's how he got famous, huh? <laughs> just didn't click with me in a way. Uh, yeah. And so I th I just wanted to get your input because I know you're uh, much more uh, rooted in the No, he's not for me. Scene. No, he's not for me. And I don't uh, – I spent so many years, like, dying on the hill of what I like when it comes to music that I just stopped. Um but I know culturally yeah. in hip hop, he's, he's revered. Okay. Um, and there's, he used to have a show called fuck that's delicious um, yeah. where he would go around and eat stuff and 
tie his music into that. He's a uh, was is a big time stoner. Um, so you know his music, his audience. I'm not part of that. Um, I'm not trying you know, to trust I, you. I, no, no, no. I get it. I get it. It's just yeah. again, it's everyone likes other things. You know, me and you don't like the same things of everything. You know. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, it's it's not for me. Um, you know, so people like it, whatever. All right, but he is revered and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, absolutely. He's major fan base. Ton, ton of people love him. Yeah. The Vice stuff is the stuff that I saw that made the most sense to me. I was like, he does seem like a good host for shows, and he does seem like a good like personality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And what I saw of him in AEW, I actually liked more than what I saw him outside of AEW. I was like, this might be his actual calling. Like, fuck. <laughs> well, take all three, right? Take all three. Yeah. He probably has more fans from Vice than he does music or wrestling. But to your point, he may have gained a fan in you from wrestling. Yeah. You know, if he can like continue to that. do that thing. So, yeah. So, you know, but I, I haven't seen any of it. Is it good? Uh, he's definitely not bad. And he's definitely uh, looks like. Something you don't want to fuck with. I mean, I wish that he didn't wrestle in fucking gym shorts and sneakers, but we got Dawkins. Um, so I thought might celebrities well have were killing wrestling, though. Aren't celebrities killing wrestling? Well, I mean, wrestling's already dead in AEW. You can't. Oh, that's right. Kill it. Well, I'm just wondering that that person that said that celebrities are killing wrestling, do they have that same opinion of AEW? Well, a wait, is AEW sports entertainment? It depends if you're Jericho's faction or not. Oh. So I guess mm. Daniel Garcia is the one to ask if celebrities gotcha. are really wrestling. He would know, gotcha. probably. Huh. Bishop, it was good having a drink you with did. you, my old drinking buddy. Good having you here for episode one. Glad I could answer the bell. Yeah, you got here by the 10 count for sure. Uh, we will be back tomorrow night for uh, Thursday Night Chaser. Me and Miss Amanda Jane are going to talk all things AEW and NXT and a little bit more of the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, anything else? Anything you want to put over? No, I'm good. Just check me out on Twitter at TBTH Podcast. I'm talking shit. Uh, soon I'll be talking shit on the microphone again. But, you know, whenever. Who cares? Just subscribe. All platforms. TBTH Podcast. Yeah, go to wrestlingontherocks.com slash shop. Pick up some of your merch. I could really use it. Buy my merch. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for coming. Speaking of merch, hold on. Oh, go Speaking ahead. of merch, this particular TWT was a uh, one-year anniversary of wearing this to a major milestone of the Mr. Alex Hammerstone. Yeah, who has been MLW champion for one year. So, and I was there, and you can check my Twitter and see my very fuzzy picture of me in the background wearing this hat and this shirt. That's a good point. Congrats to Hammerstone. Well deserved, well earned, and well maintained champion for MLW. Um, Big fan of that guy. Uh, Guys, thanks for coming through and having a drink with us, being our drinking buddies here in the dive bar of the IWC. We'll be back tomorrow night for a brand new episode one. Guys, that's the last call. Cheers. Hey, producer lady here. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the I and subscribe on Twitch. Or subscribe and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Cheers! I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rock.